This is Climate Action, the podcast where we discuss innovation and opportunity presented by green initiatives across industries. I'm your host, Steph. In this episode, I am interviewing the Managing Director of Green Energy Wind Service and Maintenance to give you, our listeners, insight into how wind energy works and the opportunities in the industry for the green transition. Over the next few weeks, we have lots of exciting interviews lined up and our guests include the Carbon Farmer, um, energy students on the future of renewables and lots of great content covering climate action. Let's kick off with Owen Flynn and the potential of wind energy. Hello Owen, could you give us a bit of context about Green Energy Wind Service and Maintenance? Uh, hi Steph, thanks for having me here. Yeah, Green Energy Wind Service and Maintenance Limited, it's one of the uh, longest standing renewable energy suppliers, equipment suppliers in Northern Ireland. We've been operating for 20 years back really in, in 2002. It's a family business and I remember in the early days when we started uh, how people used to think that those boys were crazy. Talking about renewable energy and wind turbines, solar panels and warm homes back in uh, 2002 it was really quite unheard of. So really from then we've been pioneering change, getting people involved in renewables, wind turbines, solar panels, building efficient homes and really supplying you know, refurbishing, installing, maintaining, and also trying to educate people as we go along as to the benefit of all of these uh, renewable energy technologies and how we need to make use of them into the future. Mm -hmm. And in terms of wind energy, how does it work? How does a wind turbine work? Yeah, well, wind turbines are quite a simplistic machine. There are some complex control systems and safety systems that are involved with the turbines. But wind turbines, uh, largely speaking, are quite simple in how they operate. We set them up on, on great big tall towers and poles, basically up into the air to catch plenty of airflow and higher winds. We generally like to install them uh, mountainsides, offshore, uh, places where they're going to get nice free-flowing air to power them. In essence, the wind hits the blades, the blades are shaped and are set at a particular angle and can adjust the angle of them as the turbine produces to catch the wind and then spin the rotor. When the rotor spins, it spins on most type turbines through a gearbox. Through that gearbox then the ratio is stepped up and into a generator and once a generator starts to spin, create the electromagnetic field, then we're producing electricity. That electricity then is taken away through uh, large uh, copper cables or aluminium cables and is transformed into a voltage uh, that suits our grid network and from there it's then delivered into the grid for those people whether they be local houses businesses or whatever that might be to make use of that mm -hmm. so in essence you know they are quite simple in mm -hmm. how they work the complexities comes in the control systems the safety mechanisms and that that makes sure that when we are generating using wind that we've got a safe system mm -hmm. of how to do it. Yeah, definitely. And why do you think that wind energy is better than fossil fuels? Well, I mean, the, the, the answer is obvious. You know, we, we're producing energy um, without producing any carbon. So it is a green source of energy. It has a renewable source, which of course is the wind. And particularly on this island of Ireland, uh, where we are, we have a lot of that resource which is available and free for us to harness. So there certainly are the, the advantages of that. 
There are lots of there are lots of other you know small advantages in that, but that's the main advantage is is yeah. uh, it's a renewable source of energy, and we can certainly tap into that in this country. Yeah, and the wind is going nowhere, whereas the other solutions there's a finite resource. So, do you think that wind energy could potentially power the world as we go through the green transition? I think it's a major player. There's absolutely no doubt of that. Um, it has to be coupled along with lots of other technologies and those could be solar biomass uh, anaerobic digestion there has to be a mix mm-hmm. of renewable technologies to power the future and it's not only the fact that we need the generation for power in the future but we need to conquer the storage issue we can produce power lots of times in this country people don't know but wind turbines are turned off when we don't need uh, the excess power that they are generating so they're curtailed but if we could store that energy some way whether that be with you know in compressed air or whether that be with battery storage systems if we could store that then we could use that to release that to the grid mm-hmm. at times when the wind isn't as strong we haven't got solar on or other technologies are not available so mm-hmm. if we could generate and store mm-hmm. i think that is the key so yes i think wind is a major player mm-hmm. but it's got to be tied up with a lot of other different technologies and other technologies are moving on quickly you know the development now of um creating hydrogen for work vehicles for buses which is already happening here in Belfast it's all of those things coming together that is going to give us a smart generation system a smart electrical system and that's really where the future is do you think it's feasible for us to have a smart electricity system that allows the fossil fuel derivative electricity to be turned off rather than the wind you know because you were saying the wind like sometimes the turbines could be turned off would, do you think there's a chance that that could be flipped the other way in the near future? Yeah, I do I do think that is a potential, that that could happen. Again, the key here is storage. It's mm-hmm. being able to store the energy from our renewable sources so mm-hmm. that when at times we don't have wind energy, we don't have solar energy, that we can then call on the backup power and that backup power in the shape of batteries mm-hmm. um, and, and possibly, you know, production of hydrogen and then using hydrogen uh, in generators as well to to produce electricity so Mm -hmm. I do think in the future and it has been set out in the future that we will get to the point where we don't have any fossil fuels being used to generate our electricity Mm -hmm. so it will happen Mm -hmm. it's just got to be a smart system to allow that to happen yeah great so what would be the typical output of a turbine well turbines range right from 500 watts right up now till the state-of-the-art machines which are going to be going offshore which are 10 megawatts and those machines that you see locally attached to small houses could be typically 6 kilowatts 5 kilowatts 10s 20s and more so throughout northern ireland you can see a lot of larger or what we would call mid-sized turbines and those typically would be 100 150 right up to 250 kilowatts The reason for that is because we had a funding scheme that allowed us to install turbines up to a maximum of 250 kilowatts. And that's why most of the turbines that are installed locally are up to 250 kilowatts. Those are what we typically see on single installations. On wind farms, wind farms here we see turbines that are 500 kilowatts, 600 kilowatts. And those turbines 
could be 10, 15, 20 years old. Now, going forward in the future, those turbines will be taken down and new turbines, larger generating sets will be mm-hmm. put up and those will typically be two, three, four megawatt machines. Mm-hmm. Now, quite interestingly, at the minute, energy is moving on so quickly. Large companies like, for example, Gamesa Investors are pushing really hard to get larger and larger generating sets and some of the turbines that they're talking about for offshore purposes, are up to 10 megawatts. And those are turbines that have blades that are 90 metres long alone. The Typically, the individual medium-sized turbines that you see here have blades that are from 15 till 30 metres mm-hmm. long. So if you imagine the size and scale of those turbines that are now going to have blades that are 90 metres long each. Mm-hmm. And to make it just a little bit more relatable to our listeners who maybe aren't as familiar with energy, what what would 100 kilowatts with that power a house or a factory? like? What kind of electricity output would that mean in layman's terms? Um, well, typically a 6 kilowatt turbine mm-hmm. would generate enough power to power one house during the year. The issue... And it's a wee bit difficult to say that that particular size of turbine can power a house because, of course, we have days when, typically in the winter, where we might get nice, cool, you know, frosty, calm days in the winter. Those are the times of the year when we have darker days, uh, we have more requirement for heat, light, that a six kilowatt turbine wouldn't produce enough power Mm -hmm. to power that house. But it's really about the production of power a six kilowatt turbine might produce 15,000 kilowatt hours of uh, energy in one year. And that would be enough to power that turbine throughout the year. So what I mean by that is that you would be sometimes producing the power and selling it back to the grid. Other times you'd be producing the power and making use of it yourself. But taking the cost of buying power, then taking the money that you're making from selling your power, one should cancel out the other. So typically a six kilowatt turbine would produce a standard household generating enough electricity for one year. Oh, okay. So is wind energy more expensive to produce? How does that balance work out? You've just sort of explained it a little bit there, but... I think it's difficult to say if it's more expensive to produce. I think it typically has got some bad press over time that it is expensive to produce. But the reason for that is because of the incentives, the government incentives that have been sent set out there to get people to invest their money to uptake in the renewable energy revolution really and what has happened is yes it does look more expensive for renewables because of the incentivization by the governments and the government's grants and funding but as now the energy price is increasing substantially now people individuals businesses are now saying Well, the saving that I can make is substantially more whenever I first looked at this five years, ten years ago. And that's typically because of the rising energy costs at the minute. So now we are getting to the point where renewable energy projects, be they wind turbines, solar panels and the like, are now becoming viable without any incentivization from the government just by putting that installation in and using the power yourself and saving yourself maybe 18 or 20 pence per unit, buying it, and also then being able to sell it back to the grid for as much as 11 and 12p per unit. Mm -hmm. So it's becoming more common that businesses, individuals, households will have some renewable type generation going forward. 
Yeah, yeah. And so within the wind energy, um, as an industry, do you feel like there are career opportunities uh, for people? I think there are very, very good career opportunities, particularly in the wind industry. There are lots of turbines going up. There are lots of different type skills that that are needed engineering skills where they be from the hands-on skills where they're mechanical or where they are electrical skills there's also then the skills base that we need around that of analytical engineers analyzing what turbines are doing keeping an eye on them monitoring them fault finding fixing them there are lots and lots of different roles within the wind industry and what we are finding now is that it is getting increasingly difficult to find labour and to find skilled labour and particularly young people that want to take on this kind of work. So we would encourage young people to look at this industry. We would encourage them to go along to companies like Green Energy Wind Service and Minas Limited and take a few days or take a week work experience, come and see what it's like because there's a great future in it. There's a great opportunity for young people to learn what is going to be an essential skill that is needed going forward. Mm-hmm, definitely. Did you ever work on the turbines yourself? Have you climbed turbines and got to... Yeah. Like what is the, what's the view like from the top of a turbine? Yeah, the, the, the view from the top of the turbine is, is absolutely fantastic. <laughs> once uh, your knees stop knocking together and once you can finally open your eyes and look around you, it is absolutely fantastic. Where we live here in uh, County Down, we look right out over the, the Moor Mountains and Dundrum Bay and right out round as far as the Ards Peninsula. And we have a turbine on our own land here. And many times I've been to the top of it and I've stood and looked out and the view is absolutely fantastic. It's unlike any other view when you're standing on a hill and you can see the ground flowing away from you. This you're standing on a point and you really have to look directly down to see your feet below you because two feet in front of you is nothing. It's sit down yeah. and that could be 30, 40, 50, 60 metres up. So the view is, is really is fantastic. And, you know, the guys that work on the turbines that go out there, they do enjoy it. You know, there are days that are good. There are days that are bad, you know depending on what work they're doing. But when you can take the time to sit back and look at the view, a lot of our technicians send us to the office pictures of the view that they had from a particular turbine the day. So you can see that there, there is that wee bit of uh, time that they do get to take to, to just soak things up and soak up the view and, and really enjoy their place of work. Mm-hmm. It's a scene that most people would never get the opportunity yeah, to never see. get the opportunity, yeah. And so how do you see the wind energy industry growing in the next 10 or 20 years? Yeah, as I said, um, you know, renewables really is the future and a smart system for the future, whether that be with generation and storage. It really is going to play a big part in the future. Wind turbines, as wind turbines become more efficient as they are made using different technologies there is going to be more and more turbines going up and that might be small scale medium scale or large scale offshore there has to be a mix of everything lots of different people in the industries lots of government bodies you know they look and they say we think we should push offshore wind or we should push large scale battery storage but we have always believed that that has a place but we also need the small scale we need the small scale generation that is generated locally and used locally we need the small scale storage 
where power is generated locally, stored locally, and then can be used locally. So we think that there's a great opportunity going forward because we do have targets that are set out for electric cars and we need generation for that. We need our grid system updated to be able to carry that part to the different sites where we're going to be charging cars. That's so there's lots and lots of opportunity going forward for renewables as a whole, not just wind, but whether that be wind, solar, biomass, hydrogen, battery storage, it really is exciting times going forward to be honest and i think that's a really important point for people who have electric vehicles they're obviously investing in that infrastructure because they don't want their car or their transport to be powered by fossil fuels so it makes sense that we start to prioritize having renewably powered electrical sources to charge those cars and to kind of move through that yeah, I agree with that absolutely. There is no point having electric cars if we're producing the electricity by burning coal or oil or gas just to create that energy to put into storage into our car. It doesn't make sense. So mm-hmm. the revolution really is that we have to have our electric vehicles powered by renewable sources. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt of that. And in terms of local energy production for local use, do you think a business that uses a lot of electricity would want to invest in renewable power on site for, for themselves? Yeah, I, I think now is the time whenever energy prices are starting to climb and they are set to continue to climb over time is the time to start looking at your energy usage. Start looking at what ways you can A, reduce that and two, how you can mitigate that cost by possibly putting um, solar panels up possibly looking at some kind of a storage system. We do have, and we're in the process of getting our grid system in place, where what you can now do is buy power at different times as the price of power, and the price of energy, although on our electricity bills, is always more or less the same at 16 or 18 pence, for example. There are times when we have lots of generation on within the country, when power is at a very, very low price, So you, as a business, could buy power if you could store it Mm -hmm. when it's very, very cheap. And then you could then use it when it's more expensive. And typically, years ago, lots of factories and businesses had gas-powered or diesel generating sets. And what they would do is rather than buy the energy from the grid, they would have a system in place that would start up their diesel generating set, for example, at peak times between four and six in the afternoon to generate their own power which they know might cost them 12p per unit to produce but it saves them from buying it at the grid at 14 or 15p Mm -hmm. so okay that was a good idea the diesel gen set but now we have to get away from that and we could get away from that by putting smart installations in that could have some generation capacity and also then have storage capacity. Mm-hmm. I think in the future, we are going to be looking at homes that will have to have some kind of generation and some kind of uh, storage as well. Interestingly, Tesla have been producing you know, a battery wall, which in your house you would have say a wall in a garage that would be 8 or 12 inches thicker than any other wall because the first inside 12 inches of that wall would be a battery. You could have a solar panel on the roof charging that battery during the day and then you could be drawing off that battery at night saving you from having to buy electricity. Now that is part of the future. I think going forward we're going to have to be looking at small scale generation at our homes and small scale storage at our homes as well certainly to to uh, meet all the targets that we have set in front of us. Mm-hmm. One thing about the wind 
wind energy industry or particularly wind turbines sometimes is that they get a bit of a bad rap in terms of biodiversity and I was just wanting to ask you about to what degree does a turbine impact biodiversity and if there are any steps that you take at Green Energy Wind Service and Maintenance to counteract those and support biodiversity? Yeah well I guess you know a big effect on, on the biodiversity is during the construction phase and when we're constructing turbines you know we do have to abide by the rules and regulations that are imposed upon us by the uh, planning department and those might be things like not removing hedgerows, protecting species like the bats, also not working and excavating at times of the year when birds are nesting and although we can't completely protect the environment during the construction phase we do have to do our bit to reinstate the land and when you think of a turbine the base of a turbine the bottom of a turbine could be four or five meters in diameter that's a very very small footprint mm-hmm. on the land to take out to produce the power that we do mm-hmm. so um, the amount of energy that we can produce per square meter is is by far beyond that that you can produce within the fossil fuels so at green energy wind we certainly do our bit and we make sure that we keep our sites in good order that we maintain hedgerows that we certainly don't uh, adversely affect any of the biodiversity when we're operating Mm -hmm. Uh, and working at our work but look you know every construction site will affect the biodiversity but that's all kept to a minimum mm-hmm. as best that we can. It's very similar to my own experience in construction where it was whenever you assess the site in the first place you have the opportunity to if there are bats in the area you could erect bat boxes or I suppose do things like that. It maybe comes down a little bit to planning and just keeping everything in line with the annual calendar of knowing when the birds are out. And yeah absolutely like that. that's that's exactly what it is you know and it is being conscientious and, and certainly with us being in renewables it's not only a business but it's a, it's a way of life for us so it's certainly something that we are always thinking about and um, we're always thinking about the land and the biodiversity and, and renewables and regeneration and all of those things that we are thinking about so it's key that we do look after our environment mm-hmm. at every step of the way in everything that we do yeah. and beyond the construction phase well there's a turbine on site at farm and carbon and anyone could stand and observe that once the turbine is established and it, the rotary blades like birds don't fly into rotary blades because they're not blind they can sense the movement and they stay away from that area so it does, once you're past that construction phase the negative impact on biodiversity would be minimal would that yeah. be correct yeah I think, I think really i mean there has always been these arguments uh, for those who are not in favor of wind turbines and that mm-hmm. you know that they affect um, birds and birds fly into blades you know look w- we've been in the wind industry uh, quite a long time we have you know well over 100 turbines that we're looking after and we've never come across any uh, wildlife that has been affected by the turbine or damaged by the turbine and, and you're right I mean the turbine that's on site of farming carbon you know the hedgerows are growing up around it the grass is growing around it it's in a position the, the bottom of that tar is about 2.4 meters diameter and that is the footprint of it the hedges grow right up till three and four meters away from it. You would almost think that it had grew there. It was always <laughs> there. It, it is just that that is what happens over time and nature takes over. And the important thing is to allow that nature to reclaim what it can again. So we're using as little footprint as possible for mm-hmm. our uh, wind turbines. And I think that's that's an important thing to do as well. So look, you mentioned, you know, putting up uh, bat boxes and owl boxes and those kind of things. And those are the kind of things that we encourage turbine owners to do. 
and we know that we have to take hedgerows out and we have to adjust laneways and access ways and, and build crane pads but to do that and if we take hedgerows out we have to put other hedgerows in i mean we, mm-hmm. we we just can't farmers just can't say let's take a hedgerow away we're, we're uh, constructing a, a turbine at the minute that is a repowering project we have to remove hedges to get uh, transport vehicles and cranes in but to do that we've had to have permission from mm. the department of agriculture and we've got that permission and that permission is granted under the understanding that we do one of two things we reinstate those hedges after we have finished the construction work or we have to plant a hedgerow of similar length on another place mm. on the farmer's land so it's important to look after the environment to look after the fields and the hedgerows and all of that and as part of the construction of turbines and what we're doing we must do that mm. you know don't nobody should be under any illusion that wind turbine owners just go in and they pull up bog land or land and just do it the like Mm-hmm. It's just not possible. There's too many rules and regulations that we have to abide by. And those of us that are in the industry are abiding by those rules and regulations. Mm-hmm. And we, we feel it's, it's it's important that we do that. And we advise our turbine owners and investors that that is the only way to go forward. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And um, are there any other myths, as we were just discussing there, um, sometimes people who aren't in favour of renewable energy have mm. things to say that are not accurate but are continuously repeated. Mm. Is there anything else, any other myths or anything around the wind energy industry? You know, there, there are lots of you know myths and lots of arguments that people throw up against wind turbines. And we do listen to the arguments and we do listen to the concerns but we also have to say we have to understand that we have to produce energy to Mm -hmm. power all of the comforts all of the things that we're all used to and all of the essential things Mm -hmm. that we're used to whether that be just the heat and light so we must generate electricity to do this and this Mm -hmm. is a green way to do it and the price we have to pay for that is that sometimes we have to look at these great big white structures spinning blades now i do understand that people can be close to turbines and they may be affected by shadow flicker or they may be affected by the noise impact of them but again there are government bodies out there that are asking for consultations at the time of planning permission to protect those people Mm -hmm. so we as the uh, turbine suppliers and installers sometimes get the flack but we only do what we are allowed to do within the legislation that is set Mm -hmm. so we're not deliberately going out to annoy anybody or do anything like that. Yeah. We are operating within what has been granted on mm-hmm. the planning permission documents, you know. So yes, there are there are myths and stories and shortfalls about turbines, but some are legitimate concerns, but lots of them are, are just somebody's way of, of um putting an opposition into something that they really don't like and and we have found over the years that generally everybody loves turbines everybody likes turbines but it comes to the point when they say yes but not really in my backyard and mm-hmm. that's where we start to get to get problems but once people a turbine gets established uh, in an area within months you know even weeks people don't bat an eyelid at it it just becomes the norm definitely and it it is um as renewable energies all are i think it is the way forward and the shortfalls that might be highlighted for wind energy are nowhere close to the detrimental effect that fossil fuel has on its local environment and the people who live close to refineries just as a closing note do you want to hear my joke (laughs) wind energy i'd love to okay perfect um so i went up to the turbine the other day and i said hey what kind of music do you like and he said i'm a big metal fan (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah, very good. Thanks very much, Owen. Yeah, thank you. Lovely <laughs> to talk to you. For any of our listeners who are keen for more information, how can we contact you? Yeah, or? contact us at Green Energy Wind Service Maintenance Limited. You know, you'll find us on Facebook and LinkedIn, and you can uh, give us a call, have a chat. We'll be more than happy to help people with uh, some of the projects that they're thinking of uh, going forward. Perfect. Look forward to it. Great. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to find out more about farming carbon and how we're making environmental and social impact through sustainable farming, check out at Farming Carbon on all socials, including Instagram, Twitter and Facebook, or go to www.farmingcarbon.co.uk. Or if you want to contact Green Energy Wind, you can visit www.greenenergywind.co.uk or email owen at greenenergywind.co.uk that's o-w-e-n at greenenergywind.co.uk with the subject line podcast thanks again i'm really looking forward to uh, continuing the podcast here and having more exciting guests and keeping you up to date with everything that is climate action bye